Well, welcome everybody to our Mother's Day service. I always enjoy the opportunity to speak, and Mother's Day is a place that's special in my heart. And so, as always today, my message is going to be towards mothers, but my message is also not going to be towards mothers. My message is for those who have children, but it is also for those who do not have children. It's a message for those who are breathing. Take a deep breath. Breathe out. If you are breathing, this message will apply to you in some way, shape, or form. Because every person, young or old, rich or poor, it's based on the word of God. And the word of God is applicable to all of us. So if you would join me, lift up your voices and pray with me. Pray God's anointing upon the words. Pray that your hearts and minds would be open to receive it. And it's really something very near to my heart. So pray that I won't cry the whole time. Hallelujah. <laughs> if you have never heard me speak before, I am very prone to tears. I'm prone to tears in general. This is a lifelong issue for me. Um, I just, even if I'm not, I'm, I'm not happy, I'm not sad, I can talk about how they're, you know, it's going to rain today and the tears are going to fill my eyes. It's just <laughs> dumb, guys. It's dumb. So it, Jesus gave it to me and I'm trying to be thankful for it. But yeah, it's, it's my cross to bear I did something to this clock, too, but so if I speak too long, <laughs> it's not my fault. Oh, no, there's one back there, too. <laughs> Never mind. All right, well, join with me. Let's pray. Let's pray that our hearts and our minds are open. Pray that your spirit is open to receive his word as well. Jesus, we love you so much, God. We're so thankful for the opportunity to be here in your house today. We're thankful for every beautiful woman that is sitting in this congregation today. Jesus, thank you for blessing us with the role of motherhood. Thank you, Lord, for the way that you have allowed women, Jesus, to nurture and to care for your kingdom. God, we thank you today for everyone that has impacted us, for everyone that has gone before us. We thank you for your word. Let it come alive in our hearts. Let it come alive in our minds. Let it come alive in our spirits, God, and help me to transmit the word that you have given me, Jesus, that they would catch the revelation of what I am speaking today, I pray, in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen. So becoming a mother brings out a lot of things within you. It shows you the good. It shows you the bad, and it can sometimes make you feel really ugly, especially when you have the newborn babies and you haven't taken a shower for a week. <laughs> Anybody ever been there where you're like, I just cannot even get a moment? It meticulously and slowly draws out the selfishness of your life as you consistently put someone or someones before your own self. It's an all-consuming love that you really cannot understand until the moment that you experience it. It's the closest thing to God's love for us that I can imagine. It's not a love that's based on works or good or perfection or talents. Your child doesn't have to be pretty or smart, strong, or talented. You love them regardless. No matter how they come out looking or being, whether whole and beautiful or deformed and without mental soundness, you love them with a fierce and almost indescribable love. And I think about that in the way that God loves us. Sometimes we feel so much like we have to be this perfect individual for God to love us. But when you think about the way that we love our children, whether they are perfect or not, beautiful or not, it's a real close comparison to God's love for us. When I dwell on the power of that love and that somehow God loves me and 
even deeper and greater way. It's overwhelming, is it not? His love for us that is so fast and so great. Let's just take a moment right now and thank him for that love. Jesus, we thank you. Thank you, God, for that love that is beyond anything that we can imagine or that we can think, Lord, that is deeper and that is stronger and that is more powerful, Jesus, than any love that we can possibly fathom. Thank you, Jesus, for that deep, deep love. It's such a great love, but it's also a crazy love. Pastor referenced this last night at Full Church Prayer. It makes women crazy. Seriously. Anybody here know of a crazy mama story? Have you ever been a crazy mama? So a lot of you know my mom, and she'll forgive me later for sharing her story, but <laughs> she is a very proper, very put together, very calm, never going to cause a scene type of a person. And when I was having Kiera, when I was in labor with Kiera, um, I had been pushing for three hours. And she was stuck, and they were, you know, monitoring her, and things were not looking good. It was looking like we were going to need to have a C-section. I was going to need to have a C-section. And my mom did not want that for me. Like, she did not. She had had a C-section. She did not want me having a C-section. And so the doctor's coming in, and the doctor's, you know, saying, I, I think we're going to have to take her back. She's going to need to have a C-section. And, and my mom looks at that doctor. She gets right in his face, and she's like, you just need to wait. <laughs> and he's like. She's like, I think we just need to give it a little more time, a little more time. She's all in his face to the point that, the, her, in her face, actually, it was a lady doctor, to the point that I did end up having that C-section. Um, I don't know if the doctor waited or not. I was quite out of it. You know, if you've ever, you've had babies, you understand what I'm talking about. But the next day, the doctor comes in to check on me, and she goes, is your mom doing okay? <laughs> oh. It is the fiercest kind of protecting love that brings out things in you that you don't even know are there until that moment where you're like, I will take you on and your grandma. <laughs> so I've heard it said that having children is like watching your heart walk around outside of your body. It's a love that is so deep and so big, but it's also a love that makes us prone to great fear. We become fearful, not only for our children, but even for ourselves. The first time after we went, we had children, first like getaway that we were able to have, you know, my husband is a little, he likes extreme type sport things, so he wanted to go jet skiing, and so we rented these jet skis, and I had always been, I'm like all in, all for it, crazy. He starts getting the speed up, and I'm like, oh, God forbid, we're going to die, you know, and I just, inside of me, I just felt this, this shivering, this fear come over me, and I'm like, stop it, stop it, slow down, and he's like, what is happening to my wife, and I was just so afraid, and I felt this fear come over me, because I was terrified of dying and leaving my children, and I'd never experienced that before, suddenly, I couldn't take extreme chances, because I could not afford to die, because my children depended on me. And in truth, what has happened is I began to hold on to something tighter than I ever had before. And it was slowly squeezing out that perfect trust in God. Some people struggle with money in this way. 
They love something so much. That's why the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. It's not that money is evil, but it's the way that we grasp it. It's the way we hold it. Some people do this with money. They can't open their hand to God. They can't give because really it just means too much to them. There's not enough room in our hand to trust God. And so this is what was happening to me. I realized is that I was squeezing a little bit tighter than I'd ever been squeezing before onto something. I was putting my faith in the wrong things. And this often happens as parents. We feel this consuming and this deep love. And our first guttural response is protection. Like, oh, this child. They're so dependent. They're so needy. I need to protect them. I must keep them. I must keep them from all harm. And we, we begin changing our lives. We buy the best gadgets to keep them out of the drawers and away from harmful substances. We rearrange our lives to reflect baby land and safety for our children. Our furniture is now chosen based on its ability to stain versus not stain <laughs> rather than style. Everything changes. And that's not all bad. Parenting, God gives us that protective instinct that we should, we should keep them safe, that we should protect them. But I think the analogy is kind of the same as the person that takes the precautions getting in the car and buckles their seatbelt and takes driver's ed courses and looks both ways and, and makes the right choices in the way that they drive versus the person that just won't get in the car because they're too afraid that an accident might happen. So there's a line of protection that can be crossed and we have to be very careful in that. So protecting our children is good. But then they get older and our strategy changes. Some become bubble wrapping parents. You ever met a bubble wrapping parent? You ever been a bubble wrapping parent? <laughs> Trying to keep our children out of harm's way. We fret, we worry, we overanalyze, we fear, and we do whatever possible to ensure safety. Even though Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 31 says the horse is prepared against the day of battle, but safety is of the Lord. When I sent out my scriptures to Brother Jim, he gave me a good laugh because he sent me back a response and he's like, so it's mom's day. Are you really, your first scripture is the horse is prepared against the day of battle. <laughs> I was like, yes, I'm talking about warring. No, but it was funny. I'm like, yes, yes, that is the first one. But we tell ourselves we're just being careful. We're fine. We trust God. But do we really? First John chapter four, verse 18 in the King James version says, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. Repeat that word with me. Say torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Those words, fear hath torment, just jumped off the page to me. Because fear torments you in mind. Fear torments you in body. Fear torments you in spirit. Fear causes deep and fierce reactions that you never knew that you would have because you're responding from such a place of deep fear. Fear is never of God. Fear comes from the pits of hell. And any time that I fear, feel fear rising in me, you can be certain that the enemy is working. Fear is not of God. It's actually the exact opposite of God. Faith, faith comes from God. Faith is our response to God, but fear Fear is our response to the power of the enemy. Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10 
say, so, says, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will withhold you with my righteous right hand. Psalms 23 and 4, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Psalms 27, 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Psalms 118 and 6, the Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? This scripture really stood out to me. What can mere mortals do to me? When we have a true revelation of the power of who our God really is, we do not have to fear or be afraid of anything on this earth. The psalmist said, of whom shall I be afraid? Of whom shall I fear? This was during a time when he was surrounded by people who wanted to kill him. Have you ever been in a situation in your life where you felt like control was out of your hand? Did it cause fear? It usually does. Because the enemy sneaks in in those moments and just begins to speak to us. <laughs> Actually, most of the time it's like bombarding. <laughs> He begins to just bombard our minds with all of these thoughts that want really aim to break down our faith and our trust in God. And David here was echoing, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. In God whose words I praise, in God I trust and I am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? David had an understanding throughout the entire his entire reign, his entire life, everything that's recorded of him, that no matter what happened to him, he knew that everything was in God's hands, that it came from God, whether he was on the throne or whether he was not on the throne. If Absalom, his son, was able to push him off the throne, he knew that it was of God, and he knew that if God be for him, he couldn't be pushed away. He couldn't be pushed out because God had established a covenant with him, and he had that much faith and confidence in God. The author of Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Again, we're going to see this reference of what man can do unto us. And that is where the root of fear is birthed. It is birthed in fearing anything more than we fear our God. Anything or anyone more than I fear my God. This message is not just for mothers, but for everyone. The truth in our lives is what matters most to you is what you struggle the most to trust God with. I'm going to repeat that. What matters most to you is what you struggle the most to trust God with. Think for a moment of the areas of your life that you just are challenged to give to God and to put perfect faith and trust in him. The deep love that we have for our children often reveals this lack of trust within a mother's heart. But the message is pertinent to every situation and to every person. What you love deeply, you often fear for the most. What you worry about reveals the areas of your life that are not fully surrendered. Worry is not of God. How many of us have worried this week? Do you know the Bible literally says worry not, 
It's a command. Be anxious for nothing. It's a command. But yet we forget. We forget so often because our flesh is just like, oh, we try and do things all in our flesh and our perfect faith and trust in God is not always there as it should be. But God says, trust in me. All those scriptures that I read over and over and over and over and over again about putting your faith, your trust in God. Worry is faith in the wrong direction. Worry is saying, hmm, can God really do that? Can God really take care of that? Is God really powerful enough for that? So what you worry about reveals the areas of your life that are not fully surrendered to God. God says, trust me, I am in control. And fear echoes in your mind. God's not going to keep you from that. God, he's not going to protect you. God's going to fail you. And it echoes deep into your spirit over and over again. God is whispering. And that's one of the things is that God's voice is gentle. God speaks. He doesn't speak in a thunder and lightning. The scripture, and I believe it was a prophet in the Old Testament. I don't remember exactly which one, Elijah or Elisha. They're confusing if you didn't know. <laughs> Figuring out which one was which. But one is Elijah with a J and one is Elisha with an S. And I heard it said once that the one way you can figure out who came first is J comes before S. Well, you're welcome. Great tidbit for the rest of your life. But anyway, it talks about how there came this thunder and there came this lightning and there came this rain and God was not in the, any of those things. But then God spoke to him in a still, small voice. And the devil bombards our minds. And he tries to get to us in words and words and words and words and words. And all these things coming at our mind. And God speaks quietly to your spirit. So if you ever need to know the difference, what's coming at your head, that's not of God. The gentle voice that brings peace, that's the one that's of God. And so all these things that come at your mind, you can know that they're, they're from the enemy. But God whispers, if you listen, and he always says the same thing, I am with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am bigger than any circumstance or any situation that you face. And it's amazing to me how patient God is with us because he tells us the same thing over and over again. We bring it to him day by day, and he just keeps repeating, I, I told you yesterday, I'm, I'm still good, I still got this. But we tend to get that all so riled up in ourselves, and God just keeps speaking to us his peace, his trust. If we're not careful, though, especially with our children, in the society we live, fear can easily abound. Because sin abounds. It's everywhere. If you did not know, sin is right up close in your child's face. Gender confusion, sexuality, chaos. This is not the world that even I, as a not that old a person, grew up in. The things that our children face and that they are exposed to every single day is nothing, nothing like the world that most of us knew. And so as a parent, you could get, get afraid almost. I've had moments where I thought, God, why? Why did I even make the choice to bring a child into this, this terrible world that we live in? 
But Alex Cravens, a youth pastor in Russellville, Arkansas, he had a post recently, and some of you may have heard it, but it, it's worth repeating. And he said, don't feel sorry or fear for your children because of the world that they are going to grow up in. God created them and called them for the exact moment in time that they are in. Their life was not a coincidence or an accident. Raise them up to know the power they walk in as children of God. Train them up in the authority of his word. Teach them to walk in faith knowing that God is in control. Empower them to know that they can change the world. Don't teach them to be fearful and disheartened by the state of the world, but hopeful that they can do something about it. Every person in all of history has been placed in the time that they were in because of God's sovereign plan. Think about that. Every person. He knew Daniel could handle the lion's den. He knew David could handle Goliath. He knew Esther could handle Haman. He knew Peter could handle persecution. He knows that your child can handle whatever challenge they face in this life. So rise up to the challenge, parents. Raise Daniels, Davids, Esthers, and Peter. God is not scratching his head wondering what he is going to do with this mess of a world. He has an army he's raising up to drive back the darkness and make him known all over the earth. Do not let your fears steal the greatness God placed in them. I know it's hard to imagine them as anything but our little babies, but he wants us to protect them. He wants us to train them. He wants us to enable them not to fear this world that we live in, but to be the people that he has called them to be. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So today I ask you, what is it in your life that you feel is stronger than your God? What has the power to cause fear in your heart? You know, you know in your mind that things are not bigger than God. You know it. But fear is lying to our minds, our emotions, and our hearts through our feelings. Did you know that your feelings lie? Shocking, huh? The heart is deceitful above all else, the Bible says. Our feelings, they lie to us. That's why the word of God is so important that we get it into our minds and into our hearts and into our spirits. Because it's the only thing that's going to guide us in truth. And in those moments when those voices start attacking your head and they start lying to you, only if you know the word of God. Will you be able to stand against them and go, no, that is not true. That is not right. Perhaps, though, our fear is actually directed toward our God in some cases. Seems like a crazy thing to say, right? The Bible has two different words for fear. One of them is actually that fear that brings torment, that kind of fear that makes you shake and invade your mind. But there's another fear that's often used, and that's a holy fear. It's, it's a reverence. It means a deep respect and awe. That's the fear that we're supposed to have towards God. So whenever you see fear in your Bible, it's not always meaning tormenting fear. It's often, especially in reference to God, is meaning a fear of just a holy consecration, um, somebody that you respect and stand in awe of. So, but sometimes... We actually have that tormenting type of fear towards God. I'll be really transparent. I went through a season in my life where unbeknownst to anybody, I was super afraid of dying young. Seems weird, right? It wasn't that I didn't want to see Jesus, but I feared for my family. 
I feared for my children, for my husband. I feared for the church even. I felt this, you could say, no, that's good. You shouldn't want, you know, we need you. But no, it was something that just was in the back of my mind all the time. Like, well, what if you got breast cancer? You know, this person got breast cancer. What if you had this happen to you? We have some friends that we know that have died of cancer. And so, you know, it comes into your mind and you start thinking, oh my, what if that happened to me? And almost that fear towards God, like, if I speak about it, then maybe God's going to bring it on me. I don't know. I don't want to talk about it. Just, you don't want to bring it. You don't want to talk about it. But I wasn't okay living in that fear. And so I remember one particular day that I took that fear to God. And if you don't have a walk with God that you take him things in a bare and an honest way, you need to. Because there's not a disrespect when you take something to God and you just bear it before him. Like, this is, God, this is the truth of what I'm going through. And I'm not going to pretend that I'm something that I'm not. And I'm, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with this, Lord. And so I remember bringing it to him and just laying it out. Like, okay, God, exposing my heart. Like, this is something in the back of my spirit. This is something. And I heard what was coming out of my mouth. And it was a lack of trust. You see, my fear was rooted in a lack of faith in my God. And God spoke so quickly into my heart. As I'm telling him all these things, and I was just like, God, you know, what will happen if I was to die? And I felt him speak to me and say, do you not believe my promise that all things work together for good? Do you not think that I would only allow the good to happen in your life? And that's not a promise of help. That's not a promise of blessing. That's a promise that he is in control of every circumstance and every situation in our lives. So God challenged my theology. I heard him speaking, what if your death was actually a catalyst for my working in your children's lives? What if you knew that it would guarantee that they loved me and served me all their life? Because that's what I was afraid of. I was like, well, God, if I pass away, like, who's going to raise my children to love you? What would happen? I, you know, that's the biggest thing in my heart is they've just got to love you, just got to serve you. And so he's telling me, what if, what if that would be the actual thing that would be a catalyst? Would you be afraid then? And I sat there. And I'm like, No. No, I wouldn't be afraid because my fear was actually based in the fact that, God, are you really strong enough to do this in my baby's lives if I was out of the picture? Our fear is always based in something bigger than what we really think it is. So it was based in, really, God, are you big enough? Are you big enough for that? And I can tell you from that moment on that that fear died because I exposed it to the light. So if you have a fear in your life, maybe it's a hidden fear in your life. You need to get that out and you need to expose it to God. Expose it to his light and let his word penetrate that because that's the only thing, your faith and your trust in the truth of God that can expel whatever fear that is from your life. 
Did I trust the perfect love of God to do the very best for me and for my family, or did I not? Because you know there's really only two options. We either trust that God is fully, completely, and totally who he says he is, or we don't. We like to play in the middle there, like, oh, God is capable of this, but this is really hard. <laughs> this is really big. No, he's either capable of everything. He's either the God that created the heavens and the earth and that formed your body, or he's not. And fear is simply faith in the wrong things. And my faith was transferred in that moment to his goodness and his faithfulness and the truth of his promise that he is enough no matter what life throws at us. He is enough. He is enough. And so when we go back to 1 John chapter 4, verses 17 and 18 for a moment, it's all about love. It's God's love toward us, and it's our love toward him and other believers. The entire chapter is filled all about love. Verse 17 says, and as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. You know, Jesus, he didn't always want the things that were a part of his life. You know, that Jesus actually laid everything bare right before he went to the cross. As he cried and prayed with great drops of blood and he was literally God manifest in flesh. But his flesh part said, I really don't want to do this. And his spirit part said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. So we live like Jesus here in this world. He knew why he was here. It wasn't about his own agenda or his own desires. He walked in God's will for his life. He walked in the supernatural calling he came to earth for. Verse 18 says, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we are not fully experienced in his perfect love. Whatever we fear shows an area that we're not fully experienced in. His perfect love. If we believe that God loved us so deeply, so fiercely, and so fully, and if we love him as we should, fear cannot abide in those places. You see, the remedy for fear is not just trust, it's love. So then love is both the cause of fear in a lot of circumstances, but it is also the remedy for our fear. I want to be able to say that I loved God so deeply, so fully, and so completely that ultimate trust was the result. Because fear cannot abide where that deep love and trust in God is. I'll share one more story before I close. And that is... Another personal story. You guys are going to know me well after today, right? <laughs> but recently, um, I was going through a, a time where, you know, if you don't know, with Titus and his diabetes, things aren't always great. <laughs> Sometimes they're really rough. And we pretend, so to speak, we just carry on like everything's fine most of the time. But this was one night I waited until he was asleep, as I always do, to change his sights because he's just, he's six and so many, so many needles in his body. And so I waited until he was asleep. 
And I go in to change his sight, and I pull the old sight out. I'm putting the new sight in. And all along his backside where he puts his sights, because he's so skinny, there's not a lot of fat, not a lot of options. And all along his backside, scars were beginning to form on each side. And I've seen them, and I've pushed it off, and I'm like, oh, I'm not dealing with that right now. You know, just the emotions of it. But in this moment, I knew I needed to deal with it. I could feel it in my spirit. And I, so I got everyone in bed, and I just went downstairs and started laying that bare before God. And I was honest. You know, if you don't, if you don't know, we feel completely confident that our God is able to heal him. And I would have expected God to have healed him at least a dozen times power and presence of God. We know, we know, we know. Well, a couple years after his diagnosis, um, I had one of those laying at bare moments with Jesus, and I felt him really speak to me and tell me that he was going to heal Titus, but he wasn't going to heal him now. And he was going to heal Titus when it was Titus's miracle. And I've shared this with some of you before, but if God was to heal him now, it would be our miracle. But when God chooses to heal him, it's going to be his miracle. And it's going to be a catalyst for what God wants to do in his life, in healings, in the way that he wants to use him. And so I felt that so deeply. But this night, I, I came in and seeing my little baby scarring, all scarring up, and the pain that he goes through on just such a regular basis. And that mama bear came out in me. And I was like, okay, God, I'm done here. <laughs> And in my very honest, I'm like, Lord, you know, it's time. Okay, I, I know what you told me, but I don't care. Like, I'm done. And I'm ready for you to heal him because I'm tired of this pain and I'm tired of this scarring and I'm tired of the things he's going through and I'm tired of the highs and the lows and all the situations that we're facing. And Lord, ultimately, I'm just straight up tired. I'm tired of this. You know, and so I'm telling God it. Not in, a, not in an angry way, but just in a like, this is hard. This is hard. And once again, God always meets you when you're vulnerable to him. And once again, God met me in that place and spoke into my spirit and said, would you steal the future that I have for your child? Because you are inconvenienced and because you don't like seeing him suffer? Would you steal him from the kingdom of God? And from what I am going to do, simply because it hurts you right now. Once again, we're back to that scripture. Do we not believe that all things work together for good to them that love God? And that no matter what circumstance God has placed in your life right now, that he has a purpose and he has a plan and it's working for our good. Let's just take a moment right now and thank him. Jesus, we thank you. We know, God, that you are worthy of our trust and that we know, God, that you have a plan in all things. Thank you, Lord. So today I'm going to close. and So let's all stand. Brittany, you can come. And in a moment, I'm going to open these altars. And when I say open the altars, it's a reference to the Old Testament. When they would bring a sacrifice to the altars, a sacrifice that pleased God. And you know, really in a way, when we put that trust so fully in God, it is a sacrifice that we bring to him. It's a love sacrifice that says, God, 
This is hard, but I choose to trust you because I know you are worthy of my trust. Because I love you so much, Lord, that I put this on the altar for you. So when we come to the altar, we respond at refuge by coming. Getting out of our seats, coming to the front or into the aisles if there's not enough room because of space. But it's a way that we physically respond to the word that God has spoken. And we come to the altar because that altar was a place that before the new covenant, people would bring that sacrifice. And they would offer it to the best that they could. And they would bring those animals. And they would tie them on the big horns that rose up from each side of the altar. And while they cried and bellowed, you ever held an animal down? They would cry and bellow. And they would tie them onto the altar. And they would kill them there. And they would offer that as a sacrifice to the Lord. The Bible says that we are now living sacrifices. We no longer offer animals, but we offer ourselves as a pleasing, living sacrifice to the Lord. So when pastor speaks or a speaker speaks and encourages you to come up to the altar, it's our way of saying, Lord, I'm taking my flesh my sinful, fearful, ungodly nature, and I'm moving out of my place of comfort, and I'm tying it symbolically to the altar. I'm tying it onto those horns so that it can't get away while I offer it to you. And my flesh may bellow, and my flesh may cry, but my God sees my sacrifice. So today I encourage you, bring those fears to God. Bring those fears knowing that he is big enough and that he is strong enough. And if you need to tie yourself to the altar and you need to say, God, this is something I just don't understand. But I choose, Lord, that I'm going to trust you. And I choose, Lord, that I'm going to serve you. And I choose, God, that no matter what circumstances life throws at me, that I will put my faith and my confidence in you. Let's come. Jesus, we love you, Lord. We choose you, God. No matter what other circumstances you bring, God. No matter what you have placed before us, Lord, we bring it as a living sacrifice unto you. We offer it, God, on the altar before you, surrendering it to you, Jesus. Every hurt, every pain, everything that we don't understand, God. Everything, Lord, that you have chosen for us because we know that all things work together for good. God, we know that everything that you bring, we can put our faith, we can put our trust, we can put our confidence in you, that you are in control of it all, that there is nothing too hard for you, that there is nothing that is bigger than you, that there is nothing that is stronger than you, God. That, Lord, there is no form. There is nothing, God, that is greater than our God.
Lord.